Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to the Resimply podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Barnes, and we have a very special guest, uh, Jay and Paula. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. Having a lot of fun, just out there uh, making things happen and working for that next paycheck. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, we're, we, we bonded before we started the podcast on both of our kids being at home today for slight tummy issues yours might be real my i think my kid's playing hooky but uh, yeah yeah I, I think my four-year-old she's 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 taking advantage of it today so well cool deal well jay uh paula tell us a little bit about yourself well um we have been in investing we've been in real estate for about 20 28 years and paula has been an underwriter and a um for working for banks and and finance companies for about 18 years so um, we got into it. We started uh, helping other people invest. And then we, we noticed that they were making $30,000 checks while we were making our little $3,000 paychecks. Uh, so uh, we, we started looking into it and we worked with our partners that helped us get some, some deals under contract. And then we started flipping. We got really good at it. We got good at finding motivated sellers. And then they introduced us to a tool that saved our bacon. One of these times, we nearly we nearly lost one of our properties because we were we we're doing a, a lease option or one of those seller finance deals, and the the bank almost called our note due. They tried to call our note due, and which means they we would have had to give them about three hundred thousand dollars in thirty days, or they were just going to come take our property. So we were introduced to. Um, our title holding land trust, which is kind of what we use on all of our properties. Now it's the way it's our asset protection. It's the way that we, um, we protect ourselves and it's the legal way that we do all of our wholesaling and all of our, put all of our deals together to protect ourselves. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't imagine that's a fun letter or phone call to get. So to be like, Hey, I need you to come up with the full amount of this loan in 30 days. Well, it's not, especially when you're new to investing, because that could just end the investing career that you're doing anyway. Um, yeah. it, was, it was scary and they were not nice about it at all. You know, the letters, emails, knocking on the door, all kinds of just harassment came from the bank because they just wanted to collect their money. Well, and, and keep remember, we have a background. Both of us worked at four banks for, for years. And so we're familiar with banks, but banks are nasty, horrible entities when it comes to when they want something, when they're going to repossess your home or call your note due, um, they want to raise your interest rate, whatever it is, they, they come after you and it is out and out harassment. It was horrible, terrifying. Wow. I've always heard it. I haven't, I've only met, you know, a couple of people that have ever had to deal with it. So. Well, uh, so tell me, how did you get into, you see, been in, in the real estate investing space for almost for 28 years. Um, how did y'all get into it from banking into doing it yourself? Like, what was the, what was the thing that led you there? Was it just seeing the bigger checks or? Well, I mean, that's what we wanted to, but, yeah. but okay. So Paula actually, um, she saw one of those little flyers and said, Hey, come learn how to real estate invest. And they took us to a little luncheon. We got free lunch, right? And then, and they they told us all the cool things that could happen. And we're like, well, we've been in real estate forever. We know, you know, we know what this space is. They said, okay, listen, come pay us. It was like twenty five thousand dollars. 
come pay us $25,000. They put us in a classroom and they taught us ARV and they taught us ROI and they taught us vocabulary. Yeah. Formulas and calculations and, and which is great because that's, that's Paula's background. She knows all that stuff and she got to learn a lot. And I, I was able to learn, but at the end of this, like, you know, it was like this week long workshop. Um, we didn't have any deals to show for it. We just, I got a great education out of it. So I, I call that tuition. It was like $25,000. And then, um, I went out and I did everything they told me to, I, I worked on the, you know, Hey, go put some signs in the yards and go, go walk around drive for dollars. And, and we did all the marketing things that they told us, which were obviously outdated strategies. Cause I didn't get any deals from it. And then, um, they said, okay, well, Hey, look, if you'd really, if you'd like some help with this, pay us another $30,000 and we'll get you into you'll get you'll have a personal coach and i went well okay because this isn't working i can't do this on my own so we paid him that and and again now now they gave me this this hotline to this person that i could call up and i could tell that this person had less experience than i did because we'd ask him a question and say hey listen i did what you told me it's not working what do i do and i'd hear them flipping through the pages and you know it was some kid i'm sure but he he's like hey listen uh here's here's the deal uh go read chapters three through seven of rich dad poor dad i'm like are you kidding me like this this is how i'm gonna and and obviously it did it wasn't working but they taught me a lot of vocabulary and terms and um just none of their strategies were working because they were outdated they were like 30 years ago yeah, well, and that's why we do call it tuition because we did learn from it, but we didn't get any deals from it. Um, and that's where Jay decided he needed to go find somebody who was actually in the trenches doing the work. And he found a couple people, um, one that was doing a hundred wholesales a year um, to learn from, and then another individual that was just doing tons and tons of flips. And from there, we were able to learn from them and start learning how to actually get deals and get them done. And that's where we started getting our traction. Yeah, it was, these were people that were in the trenches. They were actually closing deals every single month. They were doing a hundred flips and a hundred wholesales. Uh, They're two separate investors. But um, the thing that we learned real quick is they, they, they started getting us some traction where we were able to close our, our first deal. It took us three to six months, yeah. right? But we got our first deal. We made about twenty thousand, I think, twenty thousand dollars on our first flip. Um, but we started uh, making some traction. We got really good at it. But what we found out really quick is that you can't. The way that they're doing multiple deals every single month and not just like one a year, like we were doing, um, you have to have teams of people to do that. Like we we found out real quick, you couldn't, you can't. Paula and I, even with our our background in real estate we weren't able to manage that. We, that's why it took us six months because we focused on that one project the whole six months. And then when we closed it, we got our $20,000 paycheck and then I had no prospects. I had no leads. Had we had to start all over. So that's where we started working with these mentors, right? Our mentors got us and they said, Hey, listen, okay, now, now you need to start doing multiple deals. And here, let me introduce you to our, our team. Um, our people that are doing acquisitions and people that are doing analysis and people that are doing the funding and the due diligence and all the stuff that goes into doing a deal. And so they were taking care of all that stuff. 
and we were able to go and just continue to find deals. So we had our marketing and when we built all that, then we started sharing it with other investors because word gets around when you, when you're actually doing quite a few deals, word gets around because everybody, even if they find a deal, they're not even sure what to do with it. So analysis becomes a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, a, how many people teach it that don't do it or haven't done it how it's being done now because marketing sales, everything is, yeah, there's the basics, answer your phone, you know, you know, do those kind of things. But, you know, some of the strategies to finding new properties or motivated leads um, are changing constantly. And then, you know, to, to hit on your point of like focusing six months on a deal, get done with that deal, you get paid. Well, if you don't have another one ready, then you're probably another six months from getting paid again. And then, exactly. you know, and then, and, and then if you make $20,000 on one and $20,000 on the other, make $40,000 for a whole year's worth of work, which um, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not very fun. It is our, it, my wife and I, same thing. We bought our first flip and we're like, we're going to do a lot of the work ourselves. And, and we did all this stuff. And we had the opposite effect. We actually lost money on it and also then spent a ton of time doing it. And I was like, this, this is, this isn't the way to do it. Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. So you guys, so you got some traction. Um, and then were you mainly wholesaling and flipping? Like what was, what were you doing when you started? Yeah, we, we started out, we started out wholesaling and and we made some good, good connections and, and, um actually one of the best things that that uh that coaching program that seminar company gave us said go go sign up for your local ria your real estate investing uh association and we did we went to our local one there in uh, salt lake city and it's actually one of the stronger ones in the nation so it was really good because we made lots of connections I, i found attorneys there we found um Paula got her license as a real estate uh, agent. And so um, we found a one of the top brokers where he he has like 300 agents, but they're all focused on real estate investing. And so he let her hang her license with him. And so anytime she had a question about being a real estate investor as a real estate agent and he was able to answer those questions for her and kind of guide her through the and navigate through those those waters of real estate you know the national real estate association they can be really real sticklers and they don't like real estate investors yeah. uh, but he he was able to help us navigate through that so we made a lot of connections well and we were able actually to wholesale straight to him because yeah. he had an investor too yeah he had funds and, and money that's a big thing right when you get out there and you work your butt off to, to actually find a deal and then you don't have money to 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 go and and buy the, the flip yourself that's why most people wholesale because they just don't have they don't have the connections we were able to get a lot of those connections which allowed us to transition into flipping faster because wholesaling is great but you know you make your big money what if you're gonna if you're gonna do the flip yourself yeah so I mean, if you're wholesaling good deals there's usually a good assignment and a good flip on it and so if you can um, if you can do both, um, then you generally make a lot more money for sure. 
So, uh, well, and that's to your point there, um, that's one thing that we learned uh, early on is that if you're going to wholesale a deal, you have to do the do the work. You have to analyze this and make sure it's going to be a good deal for the end investor because, um, and see, that's where Paula's underwriting background came in. It was very helpful that way. But we ran into somebody, we were networking at an event and they came and uh, they, they were talking to us about, they had a property and, oh, I'm going to make, I'm going to make $20,000 on this wholesale and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill it with this one. I'm going to make a big, huge paycheck. And we're like, oh, that's amazing. Uh, how much is the end investor going to make? He's like, I don't care. As, long, as soon as I make my money, I don't care what happens to them. And we were just like, I about, I, I was like backing out the door as fast as I could because you will get yourself such a bad reputation. You've got to make sure that you're, you are like it. Looking you, out for the other guys. Yeah. Run yeah. the numbers. Investors, they're they're a good, nice, tight network, and they will help each other out, and they're willing to help each other out. But if you start sending out bad deals, well, then you're going to lose the people that you can sell to or even work with. So you want to make sure that you're you're doing your due diligence and making sure that the person that you're going to sell your wholesale to is getting a good deal too, so they'll continue to buy from you again and again and again. Yeah, well, and and see, we we do we'll buy from wholesalers, but. Um, I don't like to do it very often because most wholesalers, they do a, a, a shoddy job of, of running the numbers. They really just don't care what I make. Um, but I, I don't care if they make $20,000 on their deal as long as I make 40, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm the investor taking all the risk. I'm doing the flip and uh, they're going to make just basically for just for handing a deal to me. It's a referral basically, right? I mean... And this is where they get in trouble with the law, with the board of realtors, because they're they're basically just acting as a real estate agent and handing me a deal that I take all the risk on and they're going to make $20,000 on it. Well, that's fine as long as it's a good deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good transition into what, you know, I think would be great to talk to. So you, so obviously one of the hot buttons in wholesaling over the last two years, but mainly you hear more about in the last year is the National Board of Realtors um, making wholesaling illegal. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, every state, as I think some states have already started passing laws. Um, I have, I haven't really heard of any big crackdowns on it yet. But I think I think somebody's going to get made an example of eventually um, that we'll all hear about. Um, and so what are y'all doing right now to avoid the i guess perception by the board of realtors that wholesaling is illegal okay so and and it really is a gray area so it's kind of hard yeah. to, to argue that wholesaling is not illegal when it, it's so close to i mean it's just everybody goes out there and what they've been trained to do is just say oh i'm not selling a house i'm actually selling my contract yeah. right well okay i mean that that's just that's the gray line the reality is is that you are you're you're selling a, a purchase contract where you're you're acting as an agent so the way to avoid that and the way that we've got around this is with our title holding land trusts yeah. these uh, um allow us to put place the property in trust and the seller remains a beneficiary of that trust okay so now title is held by the trustee of that trust and so as long as the seller remains a beneficiary 
we're a beneficiary of that trust, then we can legally help him sell off that contract, right? There's no gray area anymore because we're all a beneficiary. Um, as part of the, go ahead. Or go ahead. I'd say, cause you're essentially partners with the seller. Exactly. It, it, you're in in trust terms, you're partners. Well, and, exactly. and legally we are an owner of that home because yep. it's the beneficiaries that control what happens to that property. And we, we mandate to the, to the trustee what to do with that. Can you pull up your little infographic there? I um, I, I don't know if she can share her screen, but we've got I a can. little example. Got a little example of, of how the way this trust works. Okay. Um, and this, this not only protects you in a wholesale situation, because now legally I can go out there and I can sell this property and, and not the contract, but I can sell the property for sell by owner. Okay. Because again, what, what's happening is the trust, uh, the trustee holds title to the property and the one that controls the property is, uh, you've got a, the seller that remains a beneficiary. And then you have the investor beneficiary, which is us. And, and then you have a resident beneficiary. This is what we call that sandwich lease, the lease option, seller financing, yep. heard all those. This is the way we do it. And, and again, um, we, we got in trouble for this when we weren't using these trusts. Uh, but there's a, a little thing where they're able to call your note due, which means basically they can come, um, not even repossess your home and they being the bank yeah they, they don't have to foreclose um we had a, a property where they came out and they have teams of people that go through and they're just checking title and the way they teach you to, to do these sandwich leases or these lease options is that you take the the title and you transfer it over to the resident and you put it in their name and then you have a quick claim deed back behind the scenes and it's all secretive and and it's this little you know shell game hoping that the you know the property right so it's um but what happens is they check the title and they saw that we moved the title from the seller's name over into the beneficiaries or the resident's name okay and and they immediately contacted us and they said hey listen you're in violation of your do on sell clause which every guru out there will tell you, oh, don't worry about it. It doesn't happen very often. Um, they won't do anything if they do find it. Yeah, they they did something to us. Um, and what happens is they'll they'll come take your 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 house from you and they don't have to foreclose. You don't have to be behind on payments. That's the Basically, thing they don't tell they you. They give you 30 days to yeah. pay the full balance of the mortgage. And in this case, it was about 300,000. Um, and if you don't pay it, well, then they just take the home and say, well, thanks for, you know, working with us. This is ours now. So the way we got around this or the way we protected ourselves is we put this in a title holding land trust and there's legislation, federal law says it's the Garn St. Germain Act of 1982. This is important legislation because federal law says that as long as the seller, the original seller or the owner of the property remains a beneficiary and they have to have at least a 10% uh, ownership stake in this as a beneficiary. As long as they remain a beneficiary, the bank cannot call the note due. They cannot, uh, as long as you're on, up on payments, they can't foreclose on it. Um, they, the IRS cannot show this as a sell because when, when you do it this way, these little lease options, the, they don't tell you about this. This is actually what they call a delayed or a disguised sell. 
because we're taking money up front, which is classified as a down payment. Yep. And then we're predetermining a, a sales price. Anytime you do any of those things, you're basically, you're saying, well, I'm going to sell the property, but I'm going to sell it three years down the road, right? Well, that's, that's a delayed or disguised sell according to the IRS and the banks and the law. So you can get in a lot of trouble for doing this. Um, and the way that the trust protects against that is federal law says, as long as the seller or the owner remains a beneficiary in their own trust, you can't call that note due. You can't come take the property. You can't tax them and hit them for capital gains, taxes or whatever. So all these legal issues, you avoid those by basically putting this in a trust that remains with the beneficiary. They have ownership uh, interest. We do as this, as the investor and the resident does. And, and this is why, this is how you can see that as the investor, we now are a owner of this property legally. Yep. Well, and by putting this in the trust like that, we were able to have our attorney send off the paperwork to the bank showing that the seller was still a beneficiary and all of the harassment stopped. They just quit contacting us. And I mean, this is still a property we have today that we're working um, with our, our um, resident with. So I mean, these hugely benefit, beneficial to put properties in the trust and we do all of our properties with trust. Yeah. Well, and, and so to your question of um, how do we do wholesaling, right? Because that's how you avoid asset protection. The wholesaling part of this is I, I'm not I'm not just selling my contract because if I if the seller puts their property into a trust and we become a beneficiary of that trust, we now are an owner in all legal terms and, and aspects of that, we are an owner of that property. So I can now legally go and I can go up on Craigslist and I can put my property because it is my property and I can for sell by owner. I don't have to say that I'm an agent. I don't have to have a license. I can avoid all of the, the agent fees and the the risk of getting in trouble with the the NRA, NA, NAR, the National Association of Realtors, right? Yeah. Uh, so we can avoid all that based on the legislation, the Garn St. Germain Act of 1982. Very important. It's like it's like key to everything we do, but it allows us to act as the owner and actually sell the property. So we're gotcha. legit. Yeah. And so the and so the seller, their part of the trust is your when it sells. Let's say in an instance of wholesaling, and the property sells they're just getting what you agreed upon as the beneficiary of the trust. So let's say you were going to give them a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was, and you sell it for 150, then they would just get a hundred. And then your part of the trust, you would get your 50 or whatever the profit was. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, and we have, we have analyzers that allow Paula to very quickly go through and just, um, well, and just a quick, um other benefit to that is when you have investors that you know they want to purchase their home using the traditional loans when we put these properties in trust and sell them off that way you don't have that 90-day flipping rule and other things that can cause issues when you go to a bank um so another huge benefit of using that trust yeah, yeah. the 90-day flipping rule Bye. right <laughs> well, there, there's that one, but there's also, if you go to banks and try to get financing, you try to finance, they'll usually give you what, 10, 10 maximum yeah. properties. Yeah. Remember when these put, get put in a, um, 
in a trust, it's not real property. So you don't have mortgages on all these properties or, or possibly, um, possibly you, you don't, but, um, your, uh, the trust, it, the trust is holding the property. So it's, it actually becomes, it becomes uh, personal property. Yeah. That's what you taxed on it differently. Mm -hmm. You don't have, um, that's why you can sell, you can sell it and not be hit with capital gains. So I, I can actually um, have one of my properties I could sell to you by just giving you ownership, um, ownership to one of the trusts that the, one of my properties are in. Yeah. And then you can take that and now you own the trust, but we didn't, the, the, the trust or the property never left possession of the trust. So you're right. just the, you're the new owner of the trust, which is personal property. And then you can do what you want with the property that's inside of that trust. You can now move it outside the trust and it's yours, or you can just keep it in that trust and you continue to operate as the owner uh, and the beneficial interest of that trust. As I was going to say, because what you're doing is you're selling your beneficial interest of the trust. You're not necessarily selling a property. You're not selling the, the trust just happens to hold a property. So right. who do you use as your trustee? We, well, we have our own trustee. We are yeah. our company. We we form the because they have to be formed properly. Yep. Uh, they have to be a certain type of trust. They have to be put together the certain way. And uh, the trustee has to ha follow certain rules. You can't just go out there. A lot of attorneys don't understand how trusts work and how this it has to be a particular uh, revocable title holding land trust. It's a, I believe it's a, a Chicago, uh, Illinois title holding land trust. So again, we have our full legal team, our trust team, they put these together for us. They actually manage them with our escrow services. They'll collect payments. They'll disperse payments. They, they, um, they'll track things for mortgage records. So, um, our, our residents that we put in place for some reason right now, they can't get financing can get a traditional mortgage right now but they have lots of money in the bank and they have uh they need a certain amount of time for like commissions or bonuses or time on job things like that that the bank yeah. won't give them right now so we actually collect those payments and make the payments for them and then um we show them a, a history so it's they can go in now and refinance that and we we collect all the money and all the money is credited to them so if they buy the home, if they want to buy the home for 300,000 right now, um, anything that they paid towards us, including what we call a contribution to the trust, that is all credited to them. It's not like a yeah. regular lease option where they just lose that money. It's like renting. Yeah. No, they have by law, they have to be given back anything they contribute to the trust. So this becomes a huge, it's a big savings plan for them where they're able to go in and they get 300,000. If they paid us 50,000 during the time, you know, the three, five years, whatever, then 50,000 is credited towards them and their principal loan amount is only 250,000. So it pays their closing costs, it can pay their down payment, it can pay, um, they can even get a check back. Paul has even had it where they get checks back at closing. It's a nice. huge benefit to, to the residents that move in and take care of these homes. And that's the thing when we do our deals we want to make sure that everybody's going to win in the deal whether it's the homeowner that's selling the property or the investor we're going to or even the resident we're working with we want to make sure everybody in the deal is a win um yeah. that way word gets around like i was saying earlier and the more good 
vibes you put out there, the more work you're going to be able to do and, and the better or the more success you're going to have. No, a hundred percent. And uh, for the people that don't watch this um, on YouTube, before we go to anything else, the little flyer that you showed, the little kind of graphic, you said that yeah. you got paid three ways. And so the three ways, uh, can you, I, I think I know they are, but can you explain to the audience kind of what the three ways of doing these sandwich or lease option kind of thing that you're doing? Yeah. Okay. So starting out what we do, the first way we get paid when we get one of these under contract, um, we call this a, a, it's our full price offer because we can, instead of low balling a seller, we can now come in and if they want, if they want 500,000 on their $200,000 house, completely unrealistic right but yeah. we can give it to them um and the, like this one for example this one is that is an actual deal that we're we're working on right now um we give them three hundred twenty-five thousand, even though the present market value is only 305 so we're going to give them twenty thousand dollars more than what they're they're even asking for the property and yeah. the reason we do that is because it's going to take them we're going to run this contract for three years mm -hmm. yeah. that gives us enough time to for that appreciation to catch up with us and now we can pay the seller three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for a home that's only worth 305 now uh, they don't have to do any repairs they don't have to do anything to it we're going to give them more money than the home's worth and we do that so the blue areas are the way we make money right so we're going to take we have this under contract now and we're going to put a resident in the property and they're going to give us a contribution to the trust for $21,000, $783, all that fun stuff. Right. Um, the reason that we, we, this is a contribution to the trust. You got to be really careful. This is not a down payment. I was about to ask. So that's, that is how some people would call a down payment, but you're it's right. for, the way you guys do it. It's a contribution to the trust. Got it. Okay. So it's buying into that trust so they can be a part of not only that asset protection, but then we can legally and safely do this transaction with them. And yeah. you got to remember, though, it's really important that you don't call it a, a down payment because that's where you run into troubles with the law is when when you go out and you collect a down payment because there's there's certain things that you cannot do or it's called the delayed or disguised sell. Collecting a down payment is one of them. Um, charging more than market rents, higher than market rents, which market rents here are 2,100. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and if, as you see, we're charging 2,500 for our, our market rents because it's yeah. inside the trust and it's, they're making payments to the trust. They're not, they're, they're, those are contribution payments, right? It's not, it's not rent on the house. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's a contribution to the trust, $21,000. If you uh, make higher than monthly rents, if you require the resident to do any of the repairs, which all of our residents do all of their repairs on all the properties. Okay. Unless this is going to become their home, so right. we want them to make it the way they want it. But most 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 people, when they do these lease options, They're they they do they actually have the resident, the person that's doing the lease option with them, they have them do all the repairs and take care of the house because it's going to be their property and but see, yeah. that's a it's a dis disguised sell so um the first one's twenty one thousand dollars and that's their contribution that allows them to buy in and become a beneficiary of the trust and remember they are for all intents and purposes they are now an owner of that property because they're a, a beneficiary 
Mm-hmm. So they get that. How'd you come up with that number? That is, uh, that's used. What is that? That's like the first and last. It's five percent. Five percent of the of the agreed purchase price, mutual agreed purchase price that we have, three hundred forty thousand. You can see down here. Yep. Okay. Um, that's five percent of that, and then it's usually two months for. That twenty-one thousand comes from. Got it. Okay. Gotcha. What you would see on other lease options, um, it for the down payment, right? But in yeah. this case, it's the the contribution that goes in. And as Jay was mentioning earlier, um, unlike other lease options, this money all gets refunded back to the resident. Credited yeah. back then. Money that we can use right now, which is one of the three ways that we get paid for other properties that we're working on or whatever. But at the end, this will get credited back to our resident. Yeah. Got it. Well, okay. So change the, like the full price, change it to, change it to like 500,000 or 400,000 or something. See, cause now it's saying 19 years. 19 years. See, so we can pay them as much as they want. Uh, no matter how ridiculous their number is. They just got to be a partner with you for 19 years. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got it. See, so um, the other thing here is the contribution of the trust went up to 30,000. See, yeah. and because again, that's, it's based on how much we're going to actually end up charging the, the resident is going to end up paying that at the end of their 19 years. So um, the way if we change that back to the 300 or yeah, the 350, 325 is fine. Um, so what we get is that 21,000 is paid up front. That's our money that we can use right now because the way that we, the money has to go back to this, the resident that's in there, but that goes back as a credit out of the equity, right? So yeah. instead of $340,000, it's going to drop their payment down to about 319,000. So it. it just reduces what their principal balance is. Then the investor monthly profit, this is our money um, because we're gonna pay the seller $500 a month, right? Because the mortgage payment right now is 1600 and we're gonna give them, we're gonna turn this into a, an income property for them by paying them $500 a month. And they don't have to do any of the landlord headaches, any of the maintenance, anything like that. We take care of all that for them and they get $500 check every single month. It's dispersed by our escrow company. And then um, the $400 a month is what's left over from that 2,500 they pay us. Which is typically about what you wanna be as an investor, three to $400 a door. Um, so yep. we have it $400 a door. Yeah, yeah. and, and we, you can change this around. This analyzer is really helpful. Just, uh, you know, somebody that just with a few couple tries and practicing help, Paula's team helping, can learn how to use this analyzer real quick but that's 400 a month um for the next three years right until until the resident goes in refinances and pays everybody their money okay and at the end we're estimating there's going to be an estimate of twenty four thousand dollars of of appreciation equity increase and we're going to split that with the resident so we're going to take twelve thousand of that as our money and then um, the resident gets another $12,000 that can be credited towards their principal balance mm-hmm. when they refinance their loan. 
So for the total of the three years, we've made about $47,000. Gotcha. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, just over 10,000, 10,000 a year. Um, yeah. It's not bad, right? I mean, we don't have to do it, do the flip. We don't have to do any repairs or maintenance, no changing light bulbs or going on unplugging toilets. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I, I hate, just so you know, I hate um, being a landlord. We've done it before and those are, those, that's a nightmare. But this way it's their home, they take care of everything and they don't default because see, they gave us that money. And yeah. if if they default, stop making payments, if they trash the home, um, they basically just took the money from themselves because all that money would have been theirs. Mm -hmm. And and they have to get that money back. Even if they don't finish buying the house, they have to get that money back minus any repairs or or shortage or- Yeah, if they haven't paid their rent or you know, their, their payments, all that good stuff. It, it sets up a-, a um, safety net for us as well. Yeah. So, it so, so two things on that. So one thing I heard you mention to escrow company. So it sounds like you use a servicing company to do all this, which yeah. for anybody out here doing it is majorly key and important because it, it does every, it tracks, and keeps everybody above board. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then part two is, um, I'm imagining underwriting is very important for the resident participant in the trust. Yes, very much so. We want yeah. to make sure again that everything is I's dotted T's crossed and, and it's again that's why the trust has to be set up correctly to make sure that everybody is safe in that transaction. Gotcha. Yeah. So how's the conversation go with the seller? I mean I, I, I find it pretty interesting um you know the kind of the deal works out you know exactly how long we're going to be partners or or whatever it is is it so is it kind of a conversation hey you know i'm willing to give you your price but you're going to give me my terms kind of thing and and then it leads into explaining kind of the benefits of of what y'all are doing yeah so um and we've kind of fine-tuned this over the year because a lot of people, when they start learning about this, the first thing they do is they throw the trust at people. Don't ever just, the trust is our vehicle. That's that's yeah. how we do things. But um, the way I, I always approach a seller is I say, hey, listen, are you willing to, to uh, lease this to me right now and let me get my financing in place and I'll buy it from you down the road? And that's, th that's the question you just wanna ask. Are you willing to rent it to me now and let me buy it from you down the road? Gotcha. And if they're, if they're open to that conversation, to that concept, then I can get in and we have, you know, we have a proposal of terms that we, it lays out all the, you know, the terms and you owe this much to the bank and we'll pay you this much money and you're going to get this much at the end. Um, we get all those legal stuff in place um, and, and we're going to check their mortgage statements because we're going to take over everything like uh like mortgage HOA water rights any of the things that are, are tied to that home we are going to now be responsible for yeah. paying for on that property and again that goes back to the underwriting you were talking about making sure that we have all of our bases covered yeah um, yeah but as far as when you first start talking to a seller confused mind says no so you want to keep yeah. it as simple as possible I, well and I, I learned that very early like <laughs> sub to owner let's not talk about yeah. that stuff hey Let's just talk real basic. 
are you willing yeah. to do X for me to get X in order? And that's it. And if they say yes, then you can evolve the conversation more into, you know, some things that you need to. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and that's been my my script, if you will. I always just okay. whenever I see that there's an opportunity there, like if they want five hundred thousand for their two hundred thousand dollar property, I just say, hey, great. If I give you your full asking price, will you rent it to me now, long enough for me to get my financing in place, and then I'll I'll buy it from you down the road? Because see now that financing can be anywhere from six months to six years, right? Yeah. But as long as they're okay with the concept of doing a seller carry or seller financing, just long enough for me to put together whatever contract I need or a, a way for me to create a deal out of nothing. Cause there's no, I can't do a flip. I can't, I, I just can't pay them $500,000 on a home. That's nowhere near that. Yeah. Cause they, cause you know, all flippers, we just buy it. We flip it and we make tons of money. It's all, it's that simple and you know, we can pay any price. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I showed somebody a video yesterday. We bought a house and we were really hoping not to have to change the LVP in the house. And it just turned out there's no other way. It's like $17,000 later. We'd budgeted for it, but it's it just, it's painful regardless. If we did everything, we thought the smell was, oh, it was, and then it ended up being floor glued on another floor, glued to the slab. So then it's a machine and I was like, man, flipping, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I a hundred percent, uh, understand that. And so we also talked about, you have like multiple offers that you can give people. So let's, let's touch on that a little bit. Well, okay. So you just mentioned one about having uh, your flip costs go over, right? Yeah. They always go over, right? It's always more. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you budget over, it still goes over the new budget over like it it never right. stops so so let's let's suppose that we have a seller right now that's like hey listen you know what my home it's worth 500 000. the neighbor's home sold for 570,000 so mine should go for 500 easy and we pull our comps and they're you know 250 300 whatever we go okay great i believe you we're going to go off of your numbers but if you believe that much in how much your home is worth then you, you stick with us, you be, be the investor with us. And this is our, we call this our partner deal because we, uh, we had a home that um, he was a contractor and he was doing all the work himself. He was doing that sweat equity, which is great, yeah. but you know how that is, that's a nightmare, right? You're living in a war zone. Um, it always takes longer. Um, and, and so he's doing all this, he ran out of money and he was stripping the home down to the studs uh, he was he wanted to do all these high-end improvements which the area would not get his money back out of it yep. um so what we did was we came in we partnered with him he continued to pay his mortgage and uh we didn't we didn't buy him out he became a partner with us and we brought in it was supposed to originally be eighty thousand. it was eighty thousand. yeah yeah it's eighty thousand to do the repair eighty thousand for rehab costs we got into it, it ended up being 130,000 for rehab costs, just like you were saying, right? But we managed it with our teams and he had to move out. He couldn't live there in the, in the place anymore. So we brought our expertise and we helped, we did the repairs, we fixed it up and we increased the value to where um, 
he was right. Like there was a lot of value in this home and we were able to flip this thing. We made $142,000 profit. We split it with him. We both walked away with a $71,000 paycheck and he couldn't have done it without us and we couldn't have done it without him. So it worked out really well. That's one of our offers. Um, another one that's really I, important. I want to stop on that one for one second because I have yeah. a personal experience in that same realm. Okay. Mine's the complete opposite of that scenario, though. Um, and it and it goes down it goes down to paperwork, which I'm sure you guys are much more fanatical about than I was at the time. I partnered with a homeowner. Similarly, like he wanted to be the flipper, and oh. but but he lived he lived three hours away. Like this was he'd already bought another home, and our numbers were we weren't far off. We we're like fifteen thousand dollars off in price. It wasn't terrible but the big difference for me is the 15 grand was me having to go borrow, get a loan you know i was gonna have to go borrow hard money for a part of it and, and it was gonna and that was that was the difference so i said hey why don't you pay your mortgage you carry the note i'll bring my cash in i'll flip it we'll sell it boom we'll split the profit 50 50. Uh -oh. he's like he's like all right sounds good so we had it drawn up by an attorney. Um, this is where I learned each person needs their own attorney. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. And then I also should have gotten a power of attorney in the order to completely sell the house. So we flipped it and the and the goal, the, pro, the goal profit for each person was like $20,000 a piece. So $40,000, it was super quick. And we ended up going over budget on the rehab by I think like 10 grand. It really wasn't that bad. But then we sold the house for like $18,000 more than what we thought we were going to sell it for. So the okay. over the over washed out and then we ended up making more anyways. He refused to sell the house. So I have my cash in the house, refused no, to sell it no. and because it's he's on the deed, I can't I can't sell it. I can take it as far as the closing, but I can't sign the deed to sell the property. And his, his, um, excuse was I went over budget and it's my fault. And so I should, um, pay the consequences for it. Oh, that's criminal. That guy, and, he's still right. Come on. And I got, I got, we ended up and it was, and I'm a pretty like passive dude and the lady buying it, this was her first home. Like she was super excited. We had kind of met her. She'd stopped by for something. We we're over there. And so I had the choice. I could blow up the deal, leave my money in it, take legal action, resell it, go through the whole thing or bite the bullet, sell it, get my rehab money back and not make a dollar, uh -oh. which is what we ended up doing. Oh man. And, and it was, and so when I went to my attorney, cause we had a JV agreement done two things happened one my fault and then two was a learning experience the person that i partnered with never actually signed the document and my attorney i never ver I, I signed mine and sent it in and i just i i never thought to ask for the the ratified you know fully executed doc um because we turned stuff fast so we went in we flipped it and um and then and then when I came to enforce the JV agreement, the attorney that I had paid to write up the JV agreement couldn't represent either party. 
What? Because because he was he he represented both parties in creating it. And so oh, now God. I had to go hire another attorney. And so um, for those of you that do it, your paperwork needs to be spot on and control everything to the point of selling the property. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to add a suggestion there. Okay. Cause right. one of the things that would have, would have protected you in this situation would have been a title holding land trust. Oh yeah. No, hundred percent. But if Even see, because because a trust is a contract, yeah, it's, it's a contract. And, and so the contract inside of that trust, you now the, the title's being held by a trustee, not by your JV partner. It's yeah. being held by a trustee. And so, but what happens to it at the end after the project's done is predetermined. It's all the legally right. is all set up before you even start the project. So it, as you came in with this one, if you get to the end and he goes, oh, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to sell this or I'm, I'm not going to do this or whatever. It doesn't matter. And he doesn't have to show up for a closing. He doesn't no. have, doesn't have any say in that because it was already predetermined that you guys were going to sell this property and, and that you were going to split the proceeds in whatever percentage. And it's all laid out in, in advance when you form the trust. And then that way he can't, he can't come back because it has to be unanimous with all parties, anything that changes in the trust. And yeah. so he can come back and change this later and go, well, you went over budget. Well, he's with you. He went over budget just as much as you did. Yeah, no, it, it, it was, it was one of the, and it was, and it was a deal we closed like January 4th of 2020. Like it was like the, I opened 2022 with like, you know, we're expected to get a $20,000 check for our portion of the deal. And we ended up getting built and he made 40 something thousand dollars. So anyways, that was my, that was my experience with it. Um, it was Paula says that's your tuition. Do you agree with it that? Is. That was my, I, I haven't, I, I'm in a mastermind, but I haven't paid for coaching programs. So I took that as a, um, the one saving thing that I, I did do and I did have signed early is I did have my wife, my wife is the agent and I did give her four and a half percent commission. So, oh. so we Good. at least, we at least, <laughs> And there was nothing he could do about that because that was signed and there was no um because we ended up paying like seven percent commission four and a half to her as the listing two and a half to the buyer and uh, so we at least we at least walked away with a little bit of money but but i i learned there that paperwork um and and maybe it was a trust um would have been the right answer but yeah i learned very simple like detail it out, everything signed. There's no going back. It's like we're in this, we're either gonna make money or lose money together. There is no change your mind at the end. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and just so you know, um, trusts are, are the same thing that all your rich people, uh, Warren Buffett, Donald Trump, you know, uh, your, your millionaires, your billionaires, uh, celebrities and, and rich people alike, they're all using these title holding land trusts. The asset protection tools. These are, this is something that I mean, they've been around forever. Like I said, there's legislation going back to protect homeowners for this very situation back to 1982. Um, but yeah, those these trusts are the way to do real estate, and yeah. and the way that everybody's taught you to do it is it leaves you exposed, and they're just assuming that uh, you won't get caught. Don't worry about it. it. It won't happen to you. Well, if it does, it's a scary thing, and you, you're 
you're living proof that that's just yeah. not where you want to be. So have yeah, fun. So, so I didn't mean to derail it, but that was my mm -hmm. experience with it. Um, so what, so all right. So the first offer, what, what else do you guys do? Okay. So we've got, um, the full price offer, which we shared before we've got that partner offer. Um, another one, we call it our micro flip and a micro just basically means the amount of time that we spend in the project. And this is exactly. super important, especially right now. Like people need to understand that if you go out there and you get a property under contract and you're all excited because you're going to make $20,000 right now, but this flip takes you eight months or takes you a year to complete this flip. I don't know what the, the market's going to do. I, I lost my crystal ball. Um, COVID took care of that. But um, here, here's the thing. What happens if you get down eight months and the market crashes in eight months? And now you, you're not only are you losing, you're not going to make your $20,000 profit, but you're going to, you're going to end up losing $3,000. You know, I mean, it's just a scenario, but you need to get in and out of, of flips as fast as possible. And that's why we have our micro flip um, because my micro flips, I, I don't want to be in any property that's going to take me a year to do the flip. I just, yeah. you know, no major your projects, no redoing foundations or anything else like that. That's um, that's a thing of the past, at least for right now. Right now, I want to. I we're specifically looking for properties that I want to be in and out of in four to six weeks. Like, okay. uh, and you, you're talking really just like paint, uh, carpeting, um, yeah, cleaning, just go mow the front yard or something. You know, just it, it needs to be very little uh, costs and and time. Because um, what we're 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 able to do this in a way we had one one property where uh, she was a real estate agent, so she could have put this property on the on the market. She knew it was going for about one hundred and ninety, right? She she could list this property for one hundred and ninety. All her uh, her marketing costs, the listing costs. There's there's a cost in it, and it's very taxing to put a property on the market and get get their uh, commissions. Yeah. So she says, listen, you guys are investors, pay me $100,000. I've got problems with um, family, family, family issues. She was fighting with, with family about another property. She says, I need $150,000 to pay off this other property. If you give that to me, um, you can have it and, and I'll, I'll be done with it. And, and we said, we rent. And we said, okay, great. Here's your $150,000 market the next day. We had a closing, put it back on the market the next day. And uh, we actually had that under contract three days later. And we made $18,000 on that. We did not. I mean, this place was trashed. Let's move out on her. It was dirty, disgusting. They took all her fixtures, all her appliances, all of I mean, it. They ripped out copper piping out of the out of the bathrooms. So um, they just they destroyed this place. We did not do anything. We didn't sweep up. We didn't uh, clean. We just turned around and sold this to a young couple. Um, and, yeah. First time home buyer. They're all excited. They watch the shows on TV. They want. And, and make a profit ourselves as well as help the, the deal with her family issues by just giving her her 150 she needed nice yeah so those micro flips are about the amount of time 
go ahead no i was um yeah i mean that that's that's key there <laughs> yeah yeah so okay so uh micro flips and then zombie properties are one these are i call these in the rough because these are really super rare to find these more of these um banks are now that the moratorium's been lifted they're going to start foreclosing on homes as soon as rates start going up more right yep so what we're looking at is um these these properties these homes that the bank has come in and foreclosed on the property and the the sellers already they gave up they're, they're oh well i lost that home and they they pick up their life and they move on they've moved somewhere else when we get a hold of them because we're we're for uh, pre foreclosures and foreclosure homes and we're calling them up and saying hey listen i'd like to i'd like to buy your house at 123 main street and they're like oh no i i lost that home the bank took that home three years ago and we're like oh i got news for you the bank never finished that foreclosure your name's still on title which is a huge liability issue uh, and um, risk like uh, financial risk for them because if something happened and when we explain the liability risk that comes along with that if somebody walks along their property slips and falls in the snow and cracks their head open and their family sues them for a million dollars they're going to sue the person that's on title they're not going to sue the bank because the bank never finished the foreclosure and that's why the bank does that as yeah. soon as I explain that to the bank and say, hey, or no, explain that to the seller and say, okay, this is still in your name. You're still liable for that property. They're like, um, I've moved on. I, I, I'm living somewhere else. How do I get that out of my name? What do I do? I'm like, great. I'm going to send you over the paperwork that moves that into a trust. It, it moves that into a trust, our title holding land trust. And now it takes the title out off their name. So now they're protected legally, right? Yeah. Uh, now what I can do is now that I it's in a trust that I'm on, I'm now the owner of that property. I can now put somebody into that property and I can start leasing that property out. Well, and the fun part is since the bank has started the foreclosure process, they can't collect any money off that property. So any yeah. funds that we receive as rent all goes into the, our pocket because the bank can't take it. Yeah. So gotcha. if if we put somebody into a property and we start collecting $2,500 in rent for this property, we don't have to do any repairs. We don't have to fix it up, but we start collecting $2,500 a month and it's all ours. The bank can't have any of it. Legally, they cannot take any money except for the whole thing for the foreclosure. Then what we do is we go back to the bank and we, we approach the bank and say, hey, listen, I... I want to do a short sell. I'm going to buy, I want to buy that property for less than what, what is owed on the mortgage. Yep. And those things drag out for years, right? They can drag out forever. We've got one that she's been in it for five years. She's, she's been living in the property. She's making, uh, she's making just, she's not having to pay the mortgage yeah. for, for the past five years. And the bank still hasn't decided if they're going to accept the short sell. But two options there. One, I can continue to just con collect $2,500 a month uh, rent-free, right? That's all my money. Or I go in and if they accept my offer, now I just got that property at a steal. I just got it for a fraction of the price of what's yep. what was put on. Um, and we that's, have a resident that wants I already to have it. I already have a buyer for the property, so they can come in and they can they can they can buy it. Or 
Um, if they say, nope, I, I don't want it. I'm not going to sell you the property, short sell it to you. I'm just going to take the property back and I'm going to finish the foreclosure. Okay. In the meantime, for the past six months, eight months, a year, whatever, I've been collecting the rents and I've been transparent with the resident that we moved in there, that this is a short, uh, this is a foreclosure situation and the bank could come back at any time. And if they do, you're going to have 30 days and we're going to, you're going to have to move out. We'll go find you another place. And, and they're really, they're, they're usually pretty cool with that. And then yeah. in the meantime, I made a lot of money. The resident had a place to live. Um, and the bank comes and takes their, their home back, but we've never had the bank take one back yet. They always either do the short sell or they just keep dragging along until the market conditions are favorable for them to finish the foreclosure. Yeah, Cause they don't want to be property owners at the end of the day. They want to write loans. There's a huge liability risk to bring those onto their books. Right. Um, they have to hire maintenance people and security people and board it up the house and, and go in and do seasonal checks to make sure the water and the plumbing still works. And uh, they also, and they also can't write loans if they have so much in assets sitting on the books. So uh, that's, when they, that's when they'll fire sell properties. Cause if they have, I don't remember the numbers, but if they have so much in assets sitting on the books, they can't write loans. So like, all right, we gotta, we gotta get rid of these so we can write loans. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, this is, um, um, that one. And then, uh, our, our, one of our other ones is, uh, it's arbitrage, like vacation rentals, a short-term yeah. rental arbitrage, yeah. right? So we, we've got analyzers and everything that we can very quickly determine if it's in a good spot for Airbnb, um, get this on the books and we can, we come in and we convert the property. You don't even have to, this is where it's great where somebody who doesn't want to sell you their property right now, or they want an exuberant amount for their, their property. You yeah. can just come in and say, great. How about you rent it to me now? And then I'll buy it from you down the road. See the same, same pitch. If yeah. it's in a good place for an Airbnb, now we just come in and usually about 15 to $20,000, we can convert that property into an Airbnb uh, property. We we have a full system, a concierge service that um, we've got an inventory system and our we train our, um, our cleaning people, our maintenance people. We put in uh, furniture and we've got a design team. Um, we, we put in the security cameras and uh, we do everything to convert that to an Airbnb. And it's a, it's a fully booked top producing Airbnb. Um, we have concierge people that, that come in and, um, they have an assigned Airbnb or a concierge person that will, um, book travel to and from the airports. They'll book, um, restaurants and, uh, events, games and, um, plays and other events where, um, you know, and if they need food delivered to the house or something, we take care of all that. We do all that delivery. It's a, it's a full concierge service. So it's, it's that mint on the pillow experience. Yeah. We're very good at it because we're, we're super host. And, and so we've got properties all across the United States. Actually, we've got, we've got properties around, uh, international and around the world. We're in Brazil right now. Um, we're buying hotels and converting those into Airbnbs and vacation luxury rentals, uh, hotels and uh, no houses. And, and we do all this 
Um, we, we buy them, but we also do the arbitrage where you don't have to, you know, come up with $500,000 to buy a nice Airbnb house. You're, you're, you're just coming in with enough money to get that up front. Yeah. So you know, $20,000, $30,000 and get yourself into a three-year lease. And then you can come back in and you can buy that property or another one as you start getting monthly cash flow. So this is kind of like the new wholesaling, right? This yeah. is... That's where most investors start is as a wholesaler. Now you've got this arbitrage thing where we can get you in and we can get you starting to cash flow and then build up your reserves so you can then go and be your own bank and and instead of having to get hard money. Because hard yeah. money will eat alive. It's brutal. And and not even the interest rate as much, the monthly payments, you know, while yeah. while flipping or doing whatever. But uh, so the biggest thing that I've gotten from this and what I want a lot of our listeners to understand is what y'all have done, you know, A, you've created this asset protection thing, which is super important. You know, people, you know, um, need to understand it and pay attention to it as laws change, as things change. You know, that doesn't mean don't take action before you understand all of this. You can still talk to people. You can still talk to sellers. Um, you know, but as you start to contract properties, you need to, to understand these things. But two, it's something I also learned very early on is have a bunch of arrows for your quiver. And I said, uh, you know, you, you allow people to come to you and if they want to sell, they genuinely are ready to move on for whatever capacity, whether it's financial hardship or retirement, whatever it is, Hey, we're going to present something to you that solves your problem and in turn we all win yeah that's right and, it, and it's so much better than just having one option which is hey 70 percent of value less repairs here's my assignment this is the only thing i can offer you take it or leave it um, yeah and and those happen they exist but at the same time um you know it it, it only gives you so much to work with yeah so well and we we actually have, um, that's, that's what we do is, um, we help other investors by get, um, not just teaching them, giving them some videos to watch, but we actually, we partner with them. We, we JV with them to, uh, to help them to plug them into our systems, right? Because we, we are doing multiple deals every single month. And, and if you were to, to try and figure this out on your own, it took us years to put all the, the teams in place, the systems. Um, everything uh, that we're using to to just analyze and calculate a deal to find a deal, but now we can take somebody that's wanting to get and get going, willing willing to put some work into it. We can just plug them into our systems, uh, yeah. uh, generate a, mo a, a motivated seller lead list, um, uh, put put them in where people are actually if they're talking to. We're analyzing their deals for them. We're helping them figure out which of these deals would be best, which of these offers would be best to make. We so make the learning as they're going. And so they don't yeah. have to know it all. So like you said, go yeah. ahead, take action. Yeah. You got a team that's backing you up and can yeah. help you along. And so y'all yeah. teach people how to do this, partner with them, kind of, is that what yeah. for, for anybody yeah. who's interested in learning more about kind of this, this style of investing? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the thing is um, that way it'll, Again, it's easier for us to plug you into our systems and immediately just start getting leads. But then now you have a full team that can come and analyze that. We actually fund the deals. 
um, so you don't have to go out and find your own hard money, all that stuff. Um, because see, if Paula's team underwrites this, we know that this is a good deal. We know that it's going to make money and yeah. we've got the exit strategies and everything in place. And if we're helping manage that, I've got hundred percent confidence in our teams. So yeah. we can easily fund the deal. Um, and you know, if it's 250,000 we need and 50,000 for uh, rehab, we can put the $300,000 on the table because you know, that's, it's a, it's something we've already underwritten. So yeah, that's, uh, in, instead of just putting some videos and a course out there, that's what we've done is we're partnering with investors to take them to the next level and help them build their teams and their systems. But right now let's just do some deals and that's how we teach. Yeah. Which is, which is such a cool way to learn. Like, you know, it's not the Academy. It's not the book. It's not the binder. It's not this, Hey, um, read a whole bunch of stuff, learn what you can, and then go figure it out on your own. You're kind of teaching the people while you're doing the deals, which I think is, you know, I was very fortunate and I got into the space uh, with a hedge fund. So we just started doing deals. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was just calling people. And, and next thing you know, I did 10 deals. I was like, I, I have no clue what I just did, but wow. I was learning and talking and, and it, it, I was in a different space, but um, but it allowed me, there was no time for education. These funds, you know, they want to work quick. And I think that's what helped me was learning while doing versus learning for three months, you know, your tuition, the, you know, whatever it is. And then be like, Oh, now let me figure out how to do direct mail or drive for dollars or knock or whatever it is. Yeah. So, um, well, that's awesome guys. Where can, uh, is there anything else y'all want to share? Is there, we covered, we covered a ton. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, and, and we, we do a lot. So, um, I would just say uh, if you go to info at fortunefirepro.com okay. and also our website is uh, fortunefirepro.com okay. uh, that that will have some information that will be um, you can just get some more information do some background on us um, see some of our you know see some of our other uh, clients other uh, partners that we've worked with um you can get a good idea of what it is again it's just it's doing business differently it's like you said instead of just we want to eliminate all our competition and actually turn them into turning them into partners because we yep. we actually wholesale a lot of our stuff that we because we can't handle the bandwidth we'll turn that over to people that were bidding on the same properties and and we won the bid because um, you don't want to be the lowball cash offer because then you're bit, you're you're in a bidding war with every other investor. This way, we can we can actually work with other investors and we can all win. Absolutely, I think I think that's one of the coolest things that's come out of this space in the last couple of years. As you've seen a lot of collaboration, you've seen a lot of people working together instead of this knife fight in the living room of who who can be the who can be the fastest to the bottom or you know whatever it is or. Or sorry, yeah. in the, I guess in this sense, who can be the first to pay the most? Exactly. Um, That's yeah, right. So, um, well, I think who gets the biggest credit for this podcast are both of our kids. Who <laughs> my door, my door only opened once, and she looked at me, and that was it. So I was proud of her, and and I know you have one at home. So yeah. Um, but thank you all so much. I, um, I I learned a lot. Um, I hope our listeners. I I know you guys shared a ton, which is awesome. You know, you you 
you pull back the curtains to talk about your business and what you do. And um, we greatly appreciate that. So that was fun. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Yeah, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great one.